next door brother Three weekend rows of town By turning the whole place upside down Many awake will cause such a fuss It finally wakes the rest of us One man awakes with dawn in his eyes Surely then it multiplies Welcome back. So good to have you all joining us this morning. Well, I'm really excited to be uh, sharing week two of our, of our uh, series reunion. And I just want to say this morning, it doesn't matter where you are watching from this morning, welcome. Uh, if it's your first time tuning in this morning to Awaken, it's so good to have you with us this morning. And I, I, just, uh, I just pray that you uh, will just... Um, yeah, really enjoy your time with us this morning. I know it's a little bit hard to, to connect uh, with, with, with people, but hey, we're, we'll be back again soon, and, and uh, it's really great that you've joined us here online. And so this, this morning, we are, we're jumping back into week two um, of our series Reunion, which is the good news of Jesus for skeptics, believers, and the spiritually curious. And, and so we're, we are looking at what it means to, to learn, live, and give the gospel. Now, uh, over this time, uh, we, we, uh, I'm going to offer uh, opportunity to answer any questions that, that you might have. And so there'll be a link uh, right below. It'll pop up at some point. Um, and you can go to that link and anonymously type in a question. Um, it'll pop up here. I'll be able to see it. And uh, if we have time at the end, I'll answer those questions. Um, if I aren't able to get to the questions this week, I will get to them. Um, but also, at the end of the series, we have Bruxy Cavey joining us from Canada uh, for a Q&A session. And, and he, he's the guy that wrote the book, Reunion. And so that's going to be just a, um, a, an amazing time uh, being able to ask him the questions that I can't answer. So I'm looking forward to that. And it's going to be, yeah, I'm just really looking forward to that. So that link will pop up uh, hopefully sometime soon. Uh, there we go. Oh, it is there. I just can't see it in my camera. There you go. Um, great. Uh, so uh, we're looking at this idea of the, the gospel in 30 words. What does it mean to learn the gospel, live the gospel, give the gospel? And Bruxy uh, suggests this, uh, the gospel in 30 words, and it's this. Jesus is God with us, come to show us God's love, save us from sin, set up God's kingdom, and shut down religion so we can share in God's life. And last week I mentioned the four spiritual laws and, and Romans Road, and these are some, some traditional ways of, uh, of four-point ways of sharing the gospel. Um, and while they're true and, and helpful, I also believe that they're, they're, they're truncated, re re reduced, and, and, and quite incomplete. And one of my, my primary issue is that they, they have a, the central focus is, is on me and how I am rescued from something rather than, than what I am saved into or who I am saved into, this relationship and this reunion of family, this reunion of heaven and earth. And so, so I mean, all of this, uh, what's shared in those four-point uh, ideas are, are fine, except it's not really how the gospel was shared by the early church. And once I have done what I need to, to get to heaven, um, what, what else then? It sort of makes discipleship an optional extra. It gives no sense of meaning and purpose to our lives. And it all fits very nicely with a, an escapism eschatology rather than a victorious, overcoming, powerful, life-changing gospel of the kingdom. 
And so I want us to get a grasp, a more fuller, uh, more powerful perspective of the gospel and who Jesus is. And when I was younger, about uh, sort of 18, 19, I was in Cuba Street in Wellington. I'm originally from Nelson, but I happened to be in Cuba Street uh, one night. And I came across some people who were preaching. And I was absolutely horrified at what I was hearing and, and what I was seeing. And I, as a young Christian, I actually started to, uh, to almost argue with these uh, people who were, who were preaching. Um, I, I, I think their hearts were in the right place, but what they were sharing just wasn't good news. And, and it was creating such um, uh, anger and, and um, it was just really stirring people up and actually pushing people further away from Jesus than bringing them close. And I started to, to, to talk with them and, and managed to sit down with some of them and, and, and start to share what the good news of Jesus is. And, and I, my only prayer is that hopefully it helped to change their perspective a little bit. You know, because the gospel can be offensive, that's true, especially to the religious. If you look through the scriptures, you'll see that, that Jesus often offended the ones who thought they had it all figured out. It's offensive to systems of judgment and hate. And essentially, the gospel disrupts the systems of the world. And so, so it is offensive in some sense. But just because the gospel is offensive doesn't mean that we should be. You know, Andy Stanley once said that the message of Jesus is totally irresistible, but it has often been entrusted to a community of people who are sometimes quite resistible. See, the best gift that we can give this world is to abandon it for Jesus so he can send us back into the world to love it like Jesus. Now this morning, the text we're going to look at is Matthew chapter 1, verse 22 and 23, and it says this. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Let me pray really quickly. Father, we just thank you that you have come into this earth through Jesus, that you have revealed your heart and your nature to us in the life, ministry, and self-sacrificing love of Jesus. We just pray this morning that that will be revealed to us in a new way as we unpack your scripture, unpack your word this morning. We thank you, God, for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, last week we talked about the idea of being unashamed of the gospel. I want to quickly share a story with you this morning. We're going to have a couple of images pop up on the screen here. But I want to share... Uh, a story this morning about the, the first depiction of the crucifixion, um, which was found in 1857 on the Palatine Hill. And, and hopefully we'll have some pictures pop up. There we go. There, isn't that just magical how they just popped up there? Uh, but uh, this is the first depiction, the first discovery of um, the crucifixion. It was found in 1857 on the Palatine Hill, and it was etched into the wall of a room, um, which they suggest it probably was some sort of barracks for uh, Roman soldiers, and it's said to be dated somewhere around 100 AD. And so here's this depiction um, of Jesus on a cross uh, as, and drawn as a donkey. And we see a little man uh, over, over here. 
let me try and get, there we go. <laughs> um, so the top picture that you can see there is, is the actual photo of the wall and then the bottom picture is, is uh, just to show you what it, what it kind of would look like um, a little bit easier there. So, so it's etched onto this wall and, and it's got some writing there and in the Greek this translates to Alexamenos worships his God. Alexamenos worships his God. And so the originator of this graffiti, he, he manages to mock both Jesus and Alexamenos at the same time. Now, Alexamenos was thought to be a, a Roman soldier or guard, and, and so obviously uh, he was a, a follower of Jesus, and someone had drawn this on the wall to mock him and to mock Jesus. And this is probably the first evidence of, uh, of, of persecution or, or mocking uh, found in graffiti art. And, and, and here it was found in this, in this uh, barracks of Roman soldiers. And so the amazing thing is, is that in another room, just down the hallway, is uh, something else is etched into the wall in this other room. And, and it simply said this, Alexamenos is faithful. Alexamenos is faithful. Now we don't know if that was Alexamenos that scratched that into the wall or whether it was someone else observing Alexamenos and saying, do you know what, I've seen the mocking that's going on, but do you know what, Alexamenos is faithful. It's an amazing story, and we can uh, remove those pictures now. Thanks, Logan. Uh, but there was, there was something so significant about this God revealed through Jesus that despite the mocking and persecution, Alexamenos was known to be faithful. And so we're going to look at, at some of these ideas this morning. What is it that's so powerful about, about God, and what makes the message of Jesus so different, uh, maybe from other um, ideas about God? And so today we're looking at the foundation of the gospel in 30 words. And that is, Jesus is God with us. Jesus is God with us. Now this idea of God being with us is brilliant and amazing news, but what, what actually makes it good news? You know, there, there's something that's news, and then, and then there's good news, there's bad news, and good news. And, and so what is it that makes uh, Jesus God with us good news? Because the truth is that this idea of God with us has been, has been hijacked and used to commit some of the most horrendous evils. As we work through this series, you'll often hear me talking about religion. And I want to clarify what my definition or what I mean when I, when I talk about religion. And so, so what I mean is this, is that when God is weaponized for control, manipulation and evil... And that has happened many, many times throughout the history of our world. During World War II, the Nazi soldiers had this phrase, got mittens. It sounds like got mittens, but got mittens. God with us, inscribed onto their belt buckles and rings. And this is just a sorrowful reminder of the many ways that the idea of God has been hijacked to support the work of Satan. See, throughout history and still today, nations, armies, and terrorists have declared that God or, or the gods are on their side, standing for them, fighting with them, and blessing their violent struggle for what is right. Stephen Weinberg said this, that religion is an insult to human dignity. With or without it, you would have good people doing good things and evil people doing evil things. But for good people to do evil things, that takes religion. Bruxy suggests that the idea of God 
is with us can be one of the most damaging ideas to ever enter the human psyche. That is, unless the God who is really with us makes it clear that he is partnering with us, all of us, to bring peace and not war, equality and not domination, and unity that is strengthened through our embrace of human diversity. See, even at a very basic level, this, I see this idea of God with us causing havoc in the life of the church. When there are disagreements and even theological debates and, and when we're fighting to be right, everyone always believes that God is on our side. And this is most evident when we're discussing our political views and, and political ideologies. You know, Shane Willard once said, in order, in order to study God and in order for the church, I believe, to get its credibility back, all of us have to lose our addiction to being right. See, I personally have seen and experienced horrible spiritual abuse because of, of this idea of God with us. So where does this leave us? Bruxy has a great thought here in his book, and he says, Without God, we have lost any moral compass external to our own subjective desires. And with God, we open ourselves to a power so deadly that even people with genuinely good impulses can be manipulated to commit the most horrendous evils. I am convinced there is only one way forward that is powerful enough to persuade and loving enough to persuade us towards the good. We need a good God. A God who calls all people to an absolute standard of pure love. And we need convincing evidence that this God who is real Sorry, and we need convincing evidence that this is the God who is real. Enter Jesus, stage left. He goes on to say, I grow more and more convinced with every passing year that Jesus is the only coherent and compelling answer for the most urgent needs of this world. Whether we know it or not, God has built into every soul a moral compass to which Jesus is the true north. It's brilliant. Now let's go back to our text this morning, Matthew 1, 22 to 23. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So, so it's not that just God is coming to us and being present, that is true, but it's more than just God being present, but it's, it's also the idea that God is for us, not just with us, but for us. See, the context of this passage in Matthew is that he's quoting Isaiah 7.14, and, and the primary context is that, is that there's a king who was afraid that his enemy is going to win a battle and that, that God is on his enemy's side and is going to use his enemies to punish him. And, and he was tempted to make an unholy alliance with the pagan nation so that they would support Israel and, and not lose the battle. But, but Isaiah is sent as a prophet to say, no, God is with you. You see, God is present, but, but if he's present as our judge, then it's not good news. But the, the, the fact that God is for you and not against you, he is in your corner. You don't need to reach out to other alliances for protection and safety. That's good news. See, God with us is not just the idea that God has come down the mountain to us, but that God is not only with us, but for us. 
not that not just that he came but but that how he came is what makes it good news how God chose to reveal himself and Jesus tells us about who God is and his essence and and his nature and if the truth is if Jesus came in judgment then it would not be good news but we know that, that it, Scripture says that he came not to condemn the world, but to restore and redeem it. He, he came to save that which was lost. What was lost? Humanity's vocation as God's royal representatives and creation's wise overseers. See, Jesus came to earth, took on humanity, not to condemn humanity, but to redeem it from the inside out. And one of my favorite verses in the Bible is Romans 8.29, and it says this, The Son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. And we see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. I love that. The Son, Jesus, stands first in line of the humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. See, Jesus came not to redeem humanity, but to reveal to us what we lost. In him, his life, his ministry, his, his self-sacrificing, other-centered love, demonstrated by his willingness to die, it, we, we see what it means to be truly human. You know, the, the Bible says there is no greater love than when someone lays down their life for a friend. See, Jesus didn't just come, come to show us true humanity, but he made a way for us to step back into our, our original identity and purpose. Come on, someone, this is, this is really good news. Really good news. Jesus, Jesus is the fullness of God revealed. And we must read the scriptures through the lens of Jesus. Jesus is perfect theology. Let me just catch up to my notes here. In John 14, verse 7 to 9, it says this, If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on you do, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip replied and said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? In Hebrews 1 verse 3, it says, The Son is the radiance of God's glory. So Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. See, the shining radiance of God's glory looks like Jesus. In him, the fullness of God is revealed. See, Paul said that the old covenant veiled God, but, but that in Jesus the fullness of the goodness of God is revealed. The self-sacrificing, other-centered, servant-hearted, humble, willing to lay their lives down God is revealed in Jesus fully. So the writer of Hebrews goes on to say that Jesus is the exact representation of his being. And this... this uh, passage or this word it, it translates into the greek word char character character which where we get the english word character it, which and, and so this is like it means like the imprint the engraving a, a reproduction 
And so when we, when we stamp something or, or engrave something, we get an exact representation of that thing. You know, like money, money is, is stamped, it's reproduced, and it's the exact likeness of the, the previous one. When money was first made, it was stamped. And so when God wanted to stamp his essence and stamp his nature, his true representation into humanity, he did so in the life of Jesus. But listen, listen here. In case you were wondering, what's God like? What does God think about you? Listen, Jesus is God's mind made up about you. Come on, listen to this. Jesus did not come to change God's mind about you. He came to change your mind about God. And I would like to suggest that maybe, just maybe, God is better than you ever imagined. So the writer of Hebrews unpacks this a little more in Hebrews 2 verse 14. And he says, since all his children have flesh and blood, so Jesus became human to fully identify with us. He did this so that he could experience death and annihilate the effects of the intimidating accuser who holds against us the power of death. See, Jesus points past this present life and says, true home is awaiting you in a good God now and forever. And as, you know, as humans, we, we universally fear death. Uh, as a pastor, I, I have the privilege and, and honor of taking a lot of funerals. And I, I can tell you right now, there is a stark difference between a funeral for a believer and an unbeliever. There's, when, when I take a funeral for a believer, there is this great sense of hope and an anticipation of, of, of an eternal life with a good God. He goes on to say, by embracing death, Jesus sets free those who live their entire lives in bondage to the tormenting dread of death. For it is clear that he didn't do this for the angels, but for all the sons and daughters of Abraham. That's us. This is why he had to be a man and take hold of our humanity in every way. He made us his brothers and sisters and became our merciful and faithful king priest before God. As the one who removed our sins to make us one with him, he suffered and endured every test and temptation so that he can help us every time we pass through the ordeals of life. And so, dear brothers and sisters, you are now made holy and each of you was invited to the feast of your heavenly calling. So fasten your thoughts fully onto Jesus whom we embrace as our apostle and king priest. Man, good news. Good news. So listen up. Jesus is God with us. Come to show us God's love, save us from sin, set up God's kingdom, and shut down religion so we can share in God's life. And this is really, really good news. Let me pray and then I'm going to check if there's uh, any questions come through. Um, and if you've, 
If you've uh, got a question, you can quickly type that in and I'll, I'll have a look at some of those. But let me pray. Um, if there's no questions, we'll head on over to some more worship. And we're, we're going to be singing a song, God with us. God with us. Let me pray. Father, we just thank you that you are not only with us, that your presence is not only here, but that you are for us. We thank you that you are for us and not against us, that your thoughts towards us are for good. We thank you, God, that, that you even go before us. You lead us and you guide us with good things in mind. And, and we thank you that, that this morning, that no matter where people are at right now, whether they are skeptics, believers, or just spiritually curious this morning, I, I thank you, God, that, that you are present in their world right now. Now, Holy Spirit, would you reveal yourself to them? Father, let your presence come into each and every room. Whether it's people listening on the podcast right now or watching later on, we just thank you, God, that your presence transcends time and space, that, that your presence is in all things and through all things. And, and we thank you that there is nothing that can separate us from, from your love, that there's, there is no height nor depth, nor there's, there's nothing that can separate us from your love. And so we just pray right now, as we unpack these ideas that, Holy Spirit, you would illuminate them to us so that they become more than just a concept and an idea, but they become part of who we are and how we live and see our lives in you. We thank you, God, for what you're doing, and we just pray a, a blessing upon every person watching right now. We bless them into truth and wholeness in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.